What's going on, everybody? Happy Thursday. Welcome to episode 31 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined as always by my mainest man, Willie Saylor. We've got a special guest, a special edition of uh, Flow Wrestling Radio Live for you here as we're going to be joined by Jim Harshaw. Uh, Jim, uh, first of all, I've, I've been saying for years that Flow Wrestling Radio Live needs a stronger Virginia presence. And uh, I think I think we've we've finally got that. We've got you on board here. So we're going to talk a lot about, um, you know, the, the safety of, of uh, wrestling programs and what we can do. And Jim is is an expert in fundraising and, and everything in between. So uh, first, let's check in with Jim. Jim, how you doing, man? Great. Good to, good to be on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Before we get um, too, too in the weeds here, could you just um, – Explain your, I, I guess your background in wrestling. You're you were an incredible wrestler at the University of Virginia. A little bit of your background there, and now your um, your background in the professional world. Sure. So I grew up in Pennsylvania, from um, Western Pennsylvania, north of Pittsburgh. Got recruited to UVA and uh, won three ACC championships. I was an All American, and uh, and then I got into coaching. <clears throat> so I coached excuse me, collegially for about seven years afterwards, both at UVA as an assistant and then at Slippery Rock University as the head coach. And, uh, and then I got into business. I was an entrepreneur for, for several years and, and kind of um, got lured back into athletics uh, when, a, when they, they came to me with a position, uh, which I'm doing now, as a, as a fundraiser. So um, I work in development at the University of Virginia for athletics, so I'm a fundraiser for athletics, and uh, we're, you know, one of the we're in the one of the big five conferences, so we're one of the, you know, one of the schools that's um, sort of in the mix in terms of one of the movers and shakers in the big five or the autonomy group, as far as the NCAA calls it, with all the things that are changing um, in the in the NCAA, just in college sports. Excellent, interesting, interesting. You know. Um, we, we as a, a wrestling fan base, um, and the, the impetus of the show, uh, we're a little a little worried uh, a lot of times, especially um, you know once the season gets going, we're in uh, we're in an exciting, excited mode where we're following the sport. But at the end of the season each year, we kind of we kind of worry a little bit, and this is the impetus um, of the show to have you on and, and to tap into your expertise. Um, a lot of us fans talk about it, but uh, a great many of us don't have the knowledge of the landscape like you do. Uh, from, from high school to college, some would even say senior level, uh, wrestling finds itself uh, often in a precarious situation with, with budget considerations and Title IX uh, threatening male sports, and often that male sport is wrestling. Um, UC Davis and Oregon, uh, both who have had national champion since 2000 um they've been cut so it's not always uh if the program isn't producing uh, there's two examples where the programs were producing and at, at the lower levels uh perennial power nebraska omaha uh was canned was canned minutes after winning uh, uh, another national title um so after ncaa's each year even though we're super excited uh, we always um sit on pins and needles wondering if any bad news will befall one of our programs uh last year it was boston this year was cleveland state which luckily was saved um and additionally there's a, a changing tide in the ncaa right now and and uh something on the table that might further muddy the waters of the olympic sports uh where um the proposal to pay revenue sports, namely football and basketball, may have implications for the for the Olympic sports and the non-revenue sports. So, um, Jim, overarchingly, what is the current situation for Division One wrestling? Yeah. So you said that we we should you know we're nervous, we're worried, and we should be. And I'm gonna preface everything I say here uh, by saying that this isn't a wrestling problem. This is an Olympic sports problem. This sure. is. You know, I work in athletics here, and I don't work just with wrestling. I work with all of our sports. We have 25 sports, and this is not a wrestling problem. This is a conversation going on in swimming, in track, in golf, in tennis, and across the board. You know, we kind of 
<clears throat> live in our bubble and, and we see wrestling and wrestling programs dropped and we don't hear when the swimming programs and baseball programs are dropped. So this is happening in a lot of different sports. And <clears throat> interestingly, yeah, we have, think... uh, we have, we have a gymnastic site, a, a gymnastic site here at right. uh, flow sports. And um, I forget the exact numbers. I should have that in front of me, but uh, they told me that the numbers of the gymnastics program has dropped drastically in the last 20 years. So, Oh yeah. yeah gymnastics, especially men's gymnastics is, I think there's less than 25 programs now, uh, maybe even less than 20. I'm not sure, but it's, it's, you know, men's are hurting and, and even women's, you know, it's, um, it, I mean, this is a, this conversation I could go on for, for hours and hours. I, you know, we could do multiple shows on this because it's such a big topic and there's so much to, to talk about here, <clears throat> but it's not a wrestling problem. Um, you know, I think I, I really want the wrestling world to understand, like, we've got to break out of this mindset of woe is me. This is our problem. It's everybody against us. It's wrestling versus the world. It's not. It's this is something that everybody else is dealing with. So we need to stop having these conversations with people outside of the wrestling world and saying, oh, you know, everybody hates wrestling. It's wrestling is a small community and um, nobody understands our sport. Nobody, you know, you can't understand the rules. Well, guess what? There's a lot of sports out like that, out there like that, you know? So, um, so I think, you know, we have to have a mindset change in our sport first, but so you asked me about, you know, what's, what's the latest, what's the latest thing that's impacting wrestling and in Olympic sports in general and the NCAA in general. So in January, the NCAA uh, passed legislation, late January or early February, they passed legislation uh, through the autonomy group, which is the big five conferences, and it's the ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, and uh, Pac-10 or Pac-12, whatever it is now. So it's the five, five major conferences were given autonomy to make some of their own rules. And there's 65 schools, and they, they brought up a vote to expand the definition of an athletics scholarship, and it was voted 79 to 1 because there's 65 schools and then some other voting members as well, I think some presidents and whatnot. So it was voted 79 to 1. Every school said, we're going to do this. We're going to expand the definition of an athletic scholarship. The only school that abstained was uh, uh, BC, Boston College. And they're probably the only ones in their right minds because really every, every athletic department in the country is stretched. You know, if you, you know, even if you're making a ton of money, bringing in a lot of revenue, you're still stretched because you're spending it. You're, you're adding sports, you're building buildings, you're increasing budgets until you're, you know, you're going to spend the money that you have. So every, nobody wants, to, wants to, to add more on the expense side, especially when you have no new revenue to speak of to pay for this. So what it is is this. It's called full cost of attendance, and it's we're still figuring it out. I mean, this is this is my world. I live in this world, and we're having conversations on a daily basis and figuring this stuff out. Not everything is completely settled on how this is going to be applied, but it starts in the fall. This, you know, when school starts in the fall, this is when this new full cost of attendance measure uh, is enacted. It's this. So. Every school in the country that has students who receive federal financial aid, and this is outside of athletics, so put athletics aside for a second. Every school in the country has a dollar number that the federal government requires you to post publicly that is your full cost of attendance, tuition, fees, room, board, books, and expenses. So there's six pieces, and it's governed by these federal guidelines. It's a federal formula. Every school has to post this so mom and dad know if my kid's going to go to Cleveland State, this is how much money it's going to cost me for all these things. Well, up until now, athletic scholarships were not permitted. The NCAA didn't permit us to give this, um, this expenses portion to athletes. <clears throat> and that's all we're, we're able to do that now. We're able to give this expenses piece to athletes. So it's the the sixth piece of, of the of the cost of attendance that I that I mentioned. So what that means is our student athletes, our our, our our universities, are permitted to give this additional part of the scholarship to our athletes. So it it, it may range from you know a few hundred bucks to several thousand dollars. I'll give you an example at Virginia. If we have a student athlete who you know, we're in Charlottesville, Virginia. If the student athlete is from, uh, you know, Stanton, where you're at, Christian, yeah, then their, co their expenses 
isn't aren't going to be very high because their their travel cost of travel home isn't going to be very high. That's a big part of it. Um, but it's also going to cover you know laundry and computer and just different expenses that go into college. But if that same if, if you take another student athlete and they live in Southern California, well they you know we're going to you know we build in this cost for them to fly home and see mom and dad. So this is a <clears throat> it's again it's determined by a formula. So each student athlete is going to be able to each full scholarship is going to have that expenses portion built in. Um, if you're on half of a scholarship, I don't want to get too technical here, but it, basically what it comes down to for our athletic department is about $1.3 million increase in the money that we have to raise, the money that we have to find. And for a lot of schools, it's pretty similar between maybe 700000 to $1.5 million, somewhere in that range. Cause we Jim, have this, just out of curiosity, Jim, does this thing mm-hmm. – uh, Athletic only, or does it include uh, academic scholarships? Well, academic scholarships are, you know, governed by whatever governing body, you know, whether it's the school or the foundation or um, whatever governing body, you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whoever sees those scholarships, they can they can you know give scholarships however they want. I mean, they can give more than a scholarship if they want. It costs twenty yeah. grand to go to a school. They can give thirty grand if they want. But so it doesn't really matter. That's you know, it's irrelevant for for the academic side. But for us. Okay. We're looking directly at this number, mm-hmm. and so so all the 65 schools are permitted to offer it, right? It's a choice, but everybody else is permitted too. The mid majors, you know, the the MAC conference. You got Kent State, Cleveland State. You know, they're they're I think Cleveland State's in the MAC, aren't they? Um, I can't remember what the conference they're they're in the EWL. They're in EWL. That's right. They're EWL. Um, but you got Ohio U and Kent State, for example. They can choose to offer it. They can offer it, you know, just like we can in Virginia. We can choose to offer it for all of our sports, none of our sports, some of our sports. And but it's not just the autonomy group; it's everybody. So, um, and everybody's pretty much trying to do it, you know, because if you don't, because if you then don't, you're not you're, you're at a recruiting. Dis- yeah, you're not. A, right. You're at a recruiting disadvantage. So it, you know. It gives everybody – it's great because our student-athletes who really can't work, you know, our wrestlers are working out twice a day, and so are a lot of other student-athletes, and they're trying to trying to win championships. And the fact that we can actually pay for their full cost of attendance is an awesome thing. It's really an awesome thing for our student-athletes. But it's a bigger financial strain on our budgets, and guess what? Programs are going to be cut because of it or scaled back. I mean, it's going to happen. It's not an if. It's a when. Right. So what you're explaining in detail is what – basically the mass media puts out there very, very um, bluntly as paying football and basketball players, uh, right? I mean, that's when you see an article, most of the time, it very rudimentarily states that it, it's going to result in paying football and basketball players, correct? Or, or is So that- there's a lot of conversation going on. So this is not paying student-athletes. This is sort of... Maybe, just an expanded definition? It a, it's an expanded definition of a scholarship. But but a judge last, I think it was last fall, said um, the NCAA violates antitrust laws by restraining athletes from, from making what? money on their image and likeness. Mm-hmm. Okay? And they, so they're saying that, uh, that we, we need to be paying our student-athletes. Well, the, the NCAA has appealed it, and they're spending. You know, Bob Bowlesby spoke at the wrestlers and business uh, get together out at, at NCAA's, and he addressed this. He said, "We're spending so much money. I forget, I forget the dollar figure. He said, two hundred grand a month or something, something to that effect to to fight this in legal fees. And yeah. if the NCAA loses, everybody, everybody sort of, you know, um, just uh, you know, you know, hates the NCAA. It seems like you know, but like these guys are they're fighting." To kill this thing because if, if, if the NCAA loses, uh, it's going to change everything. It's I mean, going to it's change, change everything because now we're going to be able to, we're going to have to pay our student athletes. They're basically going to say we're going to have to pay our student athletes. And, and if you ask me and a lot of people that I work with, and, and really anybody in their right mind, I mean, our student athletes are getting a lot. I mean, you're getting your college paid for, you're getting people who to train, you know, experts in your field, in your sport, whether it's football or wrestling or track, to train you at a high level. You're getting athletic training. You're getting, um, you know, sports medicine. You're getting, you know, some school of sports psychologists and uh, nutritionists and 
and travel and gear and all this great stuff, you know, and even for the, the very, very few athletes who are going pro, I mean, they're getting training. They're getting high-level training. I mean, they're getting training to, to, to have a career in the NFL or the NBA. Um, so I don't believe that we need to pay our student-athletes, but um, there's, there's a lot of middle ground there too. Yeah, I'm, I'm of the opinion that we don't either. Uh, now, the, the lawsuit in question, that you, I mean, the lawsuit that you cited last fall, um, the antitrust lawsuit, is that the EA Sports Ed O'Bannon case? That's part of it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Ed O'Bannon, I, th I think he was on the cover of whatever, NCAA, EA Sports for PlayStation and Xbox, whatever, t 2004 or whatever, right? And he um, and other other players and other sports want compensation for using their likeness, using their um, skill set in the video game. Um, now – couldn't couldn't the NCAA say that instead of paying the players, they allow them to cash in on contracts? If they, you know, if EA Sports wants to use Ed O'Bannon on the cover, if um, Johnny Manziel wants to do an ad for Dial Soap, he he's allowed to do that. Yeah. So. I agree with you. I, I wish if, if you have value to your name, image, and like this is Jim Harshaw speaking, and I'm not representing. You know, my views don't represent my institution or my employer or anything like that. This is me speaking. Um, I I wish that we could. I mean, I, to me, it seems like you know, if you have value to your image and likeness, then that that'd be great. You know, you should you can go go make money off of it. Um, but this judge, when they passed, they they said that the NCAA is violating the antitrust laws. They also said. They, they said we should pay these student athletes, but we don't want to allow endorsements because we want to protect the athletes from commercialization. So we don't want them to make money off their image and likeness. Um, and I can understand that you don't want to, you want to protect student athletes from commercialization. But if there's a value there, I feel like they should be able to sign, you know, well, footballs yeah. for money. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't. Here's the thing: I don't want the people who I speak with every day who are, are, are donors, who are supporting our institution, our, our athletic program, I don't want them to have to pay for any more money, you know, because mm -hmm. these people are giving until it hurts. Right, and, so, the and stress, so the stress of the stress of the program is on these institutions. The financial stress is on the institutions if you're paying players, as opposed to if Johnny Manziel gets a contract through uh, Mountain Dew – now that the stress isn't on the university, uh, Johnny Manziel just gets a paycheck. Right. So, um, and, and and further complicating matters is if you pay players, is there a, a is there a scale? Um, is there a scale like it, Johnny Manziel uh, or Jameis Winston gets a gets a stipend or or gets a paycheck? Does the third string? Long snapper. Go, long snapper. Does he get the same amount as Jameis Winston? This is a rabbit hole that has not. I mean, it keeps on going. Yeah, that's a great question, and nobody knows yet. No, nobody knows. Nobody can answer that question. Um, should the third string long snapper get paid? I mean, probably not. I mean, I, you know, we probably brought more value to our, our college programs than than or as much as that guy. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, should I've been paid? I was a all-American, three-time ACC champ. Right. No, do you, do you get I, paid? I don't or so. does... Certainly not. You know, I got I got a lot more value than I brought to this university. I feel like so I'm trying to pay that back and pay my scholarship back. Um, but uh, yeah, that's. I mean, we're we're going down a path that we don't know where it leads. Right. So what is what is the import to wrestling? Um, if if high caliber, high visibility players, or or all of them, or all of them across the board, if every member of the Ohio State football team is getting a paycheck, or everybody uh, on Kentucky's basketball team is getting a paycheck, um, the bottom line is it's putting more stress on the university to cover those costs, which means they're not going to be as keen to support programs maybe like track and field and wrestling and gymnastics and rowing. Um, so how do you combat that, Jim? Um, so 
quick thought before I answer that is, you know, so we, this, this applies stress to the university. So in the big program, big college athletic programs, in the big five conferences, let's say, it puts stress on the athletic department specifically because, you know, most, most of us are in the big five are, are, are self-funded. You know, we're not taking money from the state or from the government or from the school. We're, we're pretty much self, self-funded. Now, in the, in the, the mid-majors, like Ohio U, like Kent State, like Cleveland State, I keep bringing up these Ohio schools for some reason, but, um, but they are they lean heavily on the school. So the, actually the institution pays for them. So you can't, you know, we can talk about the whole student fee increase at Cleveland State because that, you know, that's a, you know, it's only a dollar, but you know what? It's another dollar. There's already a lot of friction between academics and athletics in those schools, and, and you don't want to increase that friction. And, and, you know, those people, they're, they're, they're struggling to, you know, they're getting like 50% or more of their budget from the university, where at the Big Five, we're, we're, we're raising all of our budget within athletics. So two sort of different animals a little bit. But, okay, so what do we do? I mean, is that kind of your question? Is like, what do we do? What do coaches do? What's the wrestling community need to do? Is that your question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, it, a lot of people might remember when I had uh, I, was, I was I was with the Riot Sports Marketing Company. I started and I was really pushing, uh, you know, helping programs market themselves. And and um, you've got here's my my core foundational belief: you've got to make it easy for a fan to be a fan. Okay, um, you've got to make it easy for for wrestling fans to be. It's it's easy for anybody to be an NFL fan. I mean, it's, you can't get away from it. I mean, my wife doesn't, hasn't watched a, a, sna- a down of football for years, and she knows who Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger and all the, you know, she knows like tons of names in the NFL just because you can't get away from them, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not, it's not that way in wrestling, but with technology the way it is now, with people doing like the things that you guys are doing with this very podcast, you know, a wrestling fan, you know, before you guys launched this podcast and, you know, some of the other wrestling podcasts that are out there now, like, you couldn't drive down the road, be on your drive home from work, and listen to a wrestling radio show. Guess what? Now you can. And it's easier for wrestling fans to be wrestling fans. So coaches, uh, whether you're a high school coach, whether you're a college coach, at any level, you need to make it easy for your fans to be fans. You need to be active on social media. You need to do things like uh, like Steve Garland does a, a weekly video update. It's as simple as our marketing guy, and he, he says, you don't have to have a marketing guy to do this. You can hold your iPhone in front of you. He he, he does a, a simple video, five-minute video update pretty much every week during the season and then several uh, throughout the offseason. And we he just emails it to our donors and our fans, and they love it. They love it. They eat it up. It's just Steve sitting at his desk with his hair a mess and, you know, <laughs> drinking his coffee and, and just talking about wrestling, you know. And, um, and people love it. He keeps them educated and engaged. And that's what social media does. That's what video updates do. That's what, so if I, I think every program needs to have that every coach, and I'll take it to the next level. It's these sort of CEO skills that, that Mike Moyer talks about with the NWCA and, and they've incorporated the word entrepreneurial skills into that this last year or so, because, and I think that's even more important because what's an entrepreneur do an entrepreneur sees obstacles and he finds a way over them, through them, around them. And, and instead of just doing business as usual, you've got to break the mold um, it, you know, this is already in our DNA as wrestlers. We need to be, you know, we just need to, to shift that that skill set towards our wrestling programs. And yeah. you see some coaches doing it. You know, I mean, you see, you know, Heath Esslinger down at UTC. He has these, he's doing these awesome things. I mean, he's selling out events. You know, he's he did the dinner, you know, dinner in a in a wrestling match. You know, I mean, he's doing all kinds of cool things down there. We got to think outside the box. Um, yeah, when you said when you um, said that in the beginning of the show that this is something affecting all uh, sort of all sports or all non-revenue sports. Um, my first thought was that wrestling has to be the first one. I mean, wrestling has to yeah. be proactive, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. so it's affecting gymnastics. It's affecting uh, rowing. It's affecting um, these other non-revenue sports. But uh, And so... There's some there's some sadness there too, right? Like when when a gymnastics program is chopped, um, us as wrestling junkies don't cry for them, or maybe not even aware of it. But uh, when Cleveland State is threatened, we're up in arms. So um, it's affecting everybody. But us as wrestling fans and and people in the wrestling community, um, we should take that. When, when you said that, my first thought was. So 
us as the people in the wrestling community, we need to lead the charge. We need to be proactive so that if they're going to make a cut to uh, a gymnastics team or a wrestling team, it's not the wrestling team. Absolutely. So, so you've got to, it's just like, okay, talking CEO skills, entrepreneurial skills. If you have a product, you've got, it's got to be valuable. Otherwise nobody cares. Nobody's going to buy it. Well, it's the same thing in, in athletics. It's like, you know, football is so valuable. People want to go watch football and engage with, with college football. Well, how do we make that? How do we do that same thing in, in wrestling and in, in, in our Olympic sports? How do we, you know, how do we bring value so that people actually want to come and watch they want to donate money they want to buy tickets they want to be part of this engage with their program so it's it's value it's like how do you bring value and make your organization valuable to uh, to your target audience and right martin says martin floriani says all the time that uh a football and basketball aren't inherently more engaging no than, than wrestling it's just no. that They've grown. They've marketed the right way. Uh, they've done things the right way over years to make them successful. It's not about the game in and of itself. It's, it's about any, how it was it could be positioned. Any sport. Right. It could be badminton. It doesn't matter. It does, the sport is. It doesn't matter what the sport is. Football is not inherently more engaging than wrestling. I mean, you, you know, cricket in, is huge in India. Uh, you know, soccer is huge in Europe. You know, uh, baseball is big in certain countries. I mean, it's just it. it you know, wrestling's big in certain countries. It doesn't matter. The sport, you know, we're all, we're human beings and we're, we're engaged with the sport. It, it could be any sport. And there's no, I mean, there's no reason why wrestling isn't, you know, there's NASCAR in America. I mean, there's, you know, millions of followers of NASCAR. I mean, it could be, it, it's cars driving around a loop, you know. I mean, people go, oh, wrestling, you know, wrestling isn't, you know, can't be marketed or can't be on TV because of, there's, there's a million stupid reasons out there. And none of them, none of them, have any validity you know it's not a team sport well yes it is well neither is mma or tennis or golf but those are on tv but yes it is a team sport uh well it's not a ball sport people like you know uh you know football basketball baseball it's like well again you know you go back to mma and, and other sport you know nascar is not a ball sport you know it's like it, all these these reasons none of them make sense it's like stop you know again it's that woe is me mentality which you know, it's not. I don't know why, where that comes from in wrestling. I think it's a little bit of that me against the world mentality. But it's yeah, like, for sure. You know, it's it's no. We have, it, it, it. Wrestling's not going. Wrestling is in our DNA as human beings. I mean, wrestling's never going to go away. It may go away at the collegiate level. You know, God willing, it won't. But wrestling will ne will always be a part of human you know human culture. You know, eons from now, if humans are still around. They'll still be doing wrestling. I'm not sure they'll still be doing basketball or football, but they'll still be doing wrestling, some form of combat period. So we have maybe the best possible product to market and we just got to we just got to latch on to, to ways to do that and then, you know and then you, you know again we can take this conversation to the singlet, you know, changing of the singlets like you guys talked about a couple of weeks ago on this show and I'm all for changing the singlet because you got to you got to market it's a product again, we got to make it appealing to the general public. Well that's and, uh, you know, that's long been that's long been a problem, I think. Uh, it, it's it's positioning and it's how you make a product, right? And and wrestling, myself included, uh, I think every wrestler puffs their chest out and says wrestling is so superior, and nothing's ever gonna, um, you know, we do things the way we want to, and if you don't like us, too bad, and, right. and we're gonna do the things the way we we do and we always did and and it's affected us um instead of changing with the times and shed a, instead of making it a product and marketing and and things are speeding up right i mean there's more media uh there's more there's more social media there's more things out there there's more marketing involved in every event uh, every activity and so if you don't keep up and make the changes necessary to be a product and to be appealing to the masses you fall behind it. It's hitting us in, in college programs. It's hitting us, uh, it almost hit us with the Olympic movement. Yeah. Um, so as much as we are confident that wrestling is such a superior sport, uh, we, you have to make the changes to make it appealing to large populations. Sure. If you don't have fans, you don't have a sport, period. And, you know, we, we, 
like you said, we puff out our chest and say, you know, we're wrestling. We've always been here. We'll always be here. Well, guess who's not saying that? You know, NASCAR and NFL and NBA and, and college football. I mean, they're not saying that, you know, so we've got to change. And, you know, I, and, I, and I'm not, I don't want to paint too bleak a picture because you know what? Things are changing. And I think us getting kicked out of the Olympics, you know, at least uh, temporarily, you know, it, that was the best thing that's happened to our sport in a long time. I agree with you. It has brought change. It's and now, now people are now people are a little bit open to change. Before yeah. it was always tradition, history. We are the world's oldest and greatest sport. Well, when right. they're about to remove us, um, and things need to be changed, now that has a trickle down effect too. I mean, um, you know. People, the fans out there, think we're a little bit too extreme and in uh, wanting to change the singlets and wanting to change the rules. But but now um, people are more open to change. Pat Tossi of the NWCA yesterday, uh, just just last night, tweeted that they're going to have more classic and and the rules committee in the NCAA yeah. has put out a thing um, that they recommend changes to the rules to make things more exciting. Uh, I think uh, United World Wrestling. Um, is they've changed the mats. They're thinking about changing the uniforms. Uh, they've changed the rules. The rules are the best they've been in, in 10 or 15 years. And so all of a sudden, this old uh, fuddy-duddy sport where take it or, you know, it's basically take it or leave it, we are wrestling, um, now is making the changes to make a better product. So I think you're right. The, the threat to the Olympic movement um, has engendered changes that are best for the future of wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was it was the best thing that's happened to us in a long time, and and yeah, people are, are they're just more open minded, and uh, yeah, I mean the the singlet thing is is really intriguing to me. I mean, what, have you guys kind of come around to that? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I per, personally for me, and I think Willie was a little like this. You think, well, I like the singlet. I like the way it looks. I think it's really good. But when you look beyond yourself and just kind of you know, I've heard so much feedback. When I was a high school coach from, from kids, it's it's off-putting. The kids don't like it. They don't want to wear a singlet. And if there's a barrier that's not like – the singlet is not a big part of our sport. What you wear no. is not a big part of our sport. It is not what makes wrestling great. So, no, what do you wear every day in practice? Yeah, I, exactly. So it's like, well, this is a barrier. It's not super important. So let's change. Let's let's move the needle. And there's been the evolution of the singlet is has been going on for years. This the singlet was not how wrestling was not the uniform when wrestling started. And it's been changing right. um, recently. You know, it's not just always been yeah. that way. So 100 uh, percent for me. Let's um, let, let's start. Let's start to to change the. Uniform. Yeah, I mean, I was vehemently opposed to it. In fact, um, I kind of founded the who's number one event right so i i treat i treat who's number one like it's my baby and and when martin we're thinking about year two we're heading up into year two and martin says yeah we're using fight shorts i said no we are not i was so mad i was like no way we're we doing that i will quit i will i will go in i will do something right Very dramatic. something dramatic. <laughs> yeah yeah i i go overboard sometimes but uh you know, we had it. Martin sat me down and actually talked to me about this. And he said, "You know, why are you so opposed to this?" And I said, "It's not wrestling." I said, "It's you know, it's it's not, uh, it's not what wrestling does. It's different." He said, "Well, the kids at the youth level are turned off by this." And I said, "Yeah, I said Those anybody, kids, even teenagers, yeah, they're turned off. High school kids are. You know, yeah. a part a part of wrestling is machismo. You know, and I said." Anybody that's worth his salt, if they're scared off by a uniform, they are not going to ever make it anyway. And and he said, Will, you know, you come from the Lehigh Valley where kids are in singlets at age four. It's not it's not part of the culture everywhere like it is in the Lehigh Valley. And slowly but surely, he convinced me. And, um, I, you know, I just think it's the way to go. Even if you look at singlets, like I remember when Russia – first you know had had a change in their single i said oh man those singlets are are cool right those singlets look great well if you're looking at a singlet and if you're looking at a uniform change and think it looks great how about 
something that looks even greater. I mean, kids are looking at MMA people. Yeah, right. And it just looks cool, right? It just looks cool. So why not do the best thing um, to position your sport in the best light possible? Yeah, I mean, you got to look at it as a product. You know, what would Dana White do? What would, you know, what would the commissioner of of and you know NFL, NBA? You got to look at it as a, as a product, and and I think it's a good change. I was actually out on a run. Uh, a morning run when I was listening to you guys talk about this a few weeks ago on the, on the on the show, and I'm like yelling out loud to myself, you know, like <laughs> having a conversation with you guys because they get so fired up about that. You know, I work in athletics, and people all the time, yeah, I work with every other sport, you know what I mean, like 20 or 25 sports here. So I'm working with everyone, and, and the comments about singlets are just, none of them are positive, you know. I mean, our, mm-hmm. our basketball coach, he's the coach, and, he, and you know, the NCAA coach of the year, and we had him up in front of a couple of do- the whole group, big group of donors in, in New York City a couple years ago with Garland, Steve Garland, our wrestling coach. And he tried to give Steve a compliment, and he called it a leotard. <laughs> he called, he called, he, he's trying to compliment Steve on the program, what he's doing, and he, he, the word singlet. He's trying to find the word singlet, and the word leotard came in. Everybody laughed. And it's like it's never a good thing, you know. So, well, yeah, um, I think I'm all the, for best, change. the best way uh, for wrestling people – to explain and and kind of characterize the problem with this singlet is to listen to people that aren't wrestling people because the people yes. that aren't wrestling people if you're in wrestling you're like the singlet is a singlet and there's no problem with yeah. it you and, don't care you're always going to be a fan you're never going anywhere with right. if the singlet changes or stays the same it doesn't affect us like we, we don't it doesn't matter what we think because so we're best, hardcore fans we're diehards we're always right. going to be here so and, and it's what we've always known but to best exemplify the problems with the perception of the singlet is to ask a human being outside of wrestling what they think about it. Dana White was at Beat the yeah. Streets a couple years ago, and I mean it's on the video, the interviews on Flow Wrestling. They asked him about wrestling, and he was like, "It's great." He's like, "You got to get rid of the singlet, though. That's ridiculous." <laughs> I didn't see that. That's yeah. yeah. That's there you go. So, um, and you know one in, one interesting contrast because you were bringing up other sports and now. C- contrast football and and this kind of goes to you know the purists of the sport and the diehards having the diehards football and baseball right so baseball kind of caters to the purists and the sport and they're a little resistant to change and now I would love to be for wrestling to be in the position baseball's in obviously but it, it's the the fanship is falling and and the participation's falling because they're kind of aligned with the purists whereas football they're they're kind of deviating from what you know maybe the purists or diehards yeah, uh, liked about football. They're changing. They're trying to get moms to watch. They're trying to. So yeah. it's like, what? It's so clear. the The path is outlined for us. All we have to do is to pay attention to the trends that other sports and the examples that other sports have have set for us. the The new the purest golf fan didn't like Tiger Woods because he swears and he's wild and he's he's a madman, but. Golf had never been bigger when Tiger was was great. So, if yeah. you just just look at the trends, they're there. You just got to pay attention. And you got to don't be a, don't be stuck in tradition because that's that's not going to get us where we need to be. All right. So one transitioning off that, I think we're all in agreement that uh, changes in, in in the way the sports marketed, even what we wear, is important. Um, but. Uh, one thing that I really, since Jim agreed to be on the show, one thing I really wanted to um, discuss with him is self-funding of programs, uh, programs that are um, self-endowed. Um, I, I, yeah. You know, it, it's it's a shame that uh, we're in a position where uh, wrestling doesn't make uh, wrestling programs don't make a, a million dollars like some some football and basketball programs, but uh, there are programs, it's a shame that we have to basically insulate ourselves from being cut or or, or make sure that uh, we're going on for perpetuity, but there are programs that are fully self-funded, uh, and that's a situation where they almost cannot go away. A university is not going to cut a program that they don't have to sink a nickel into. Um, because donors over the years, uh, they've fundraised and they have their own self-sustaining budget 
that covers scholarships and travel and, and their wrestling room and equipment and coaches' salaries and the whole nine. Um, Jim, your thoughts on that and maybe your thoughts on how more programs can do that? Yeah, so with, you know, so every college athletics department has sort of a new, called the annual fund, right? We've got to raise millions of dollars every year to pay for primarily the scholarship bill, right? And it's a lot of money, you know, it's a lot of money you've got to raise to pay the scholarship. If you want your sport to have scholarships and to have a budget and that sort of thing. And every school in the country, every athletic director, every person that's in my position is a, is a development officer we want to raise endowment funds because if if you raise an endowment, let's say you get, you know, a million dollars, let's say a hundred thousand dollars, right? If you raise a hundred thousand dollar endowment, it's going to only spin off five percent, for the most part. I mean, like at UVA, a lot of schools kind of use five percent as the benchmark. They'll take out five percent a year, so it's only five thousand dollars a year. But you get that every year. But if the market and the fund through which that that hundred thousand dollars is invested makes eight or ten percent. It's growing. So next year, you know, you're getting, you know, you're getting five thousand five hundred dollars, or you're you're or five thousand fifty, I mean, whatever. So you're getting you're getting more more money every year, but you've got to continue to add to that, right? So, you know, Stanford fully funded. They're I think all of their scholarships. They got three hundred million dollar endowment for athletics or something like that. So they're fully endowed. Um, I think Carolina has a really strong endowment for their wrestling program. Um, for athlete, for for the scholarships, not maybe not for for the head coach and whatnot, but I'm not I'm not even totally sure on that. But I know they have a big endowment for wrestling, and you know we have a some some endowment here, but it's, we're not by far far from fully endowed here in Virginia. But yeah, that's a big piece of it. You know, we're getting you know whatever I hate when we see it, we see a program being dropped and we dump all this money into it, and it's like putting a bandaid on the problem. You know, mm-hmm. we've got to get back to you know adding value and making it easy for fans to be fans, et cetera. But but that all comes back to, to money. You know, you've got to either have ticket sales or, or which is not, you know, you're not going to have a big revenue from ticket sales for wrestling for at most programs. But you can raise an endowment, you know what I mean? Or you can at least donors to, to make a gift every year. But an endowment is such a big part of of any program and, you know, any Olympic sport for the long term, you know, raising an endowment. I mean, I don't know what else I can say about it other than it's so important for for long-term stability, long-term stability of a program. Because, honestly, we're going to look at the NCAA in 10 years. It's not going to look the same as it looks today. It's not. I don't know what it's going to look like. But if you have an endowment for your program, your program is going to be and much more stable. How's the? What is the best way? I mean, is the best way to do that reaching out to your alumni and your fan base? Is it is it having outing, golf outings, and 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 um, how do you do that? Yeah, so that stuff's all really important. The events, coaches. I tell you, this is high school coaches. This is college coaches. This is Division One, Division Three, NAI. It doesn't matter. Part of their job, whether they like it or not, needs to be fundraising. They need to be engaged with the people who are fundraising for their program. If they walk up to the athletic, athletic director and say, "What keeps you up at night?" And how can I help you? That athletic director is probably their first response is going to say, funding, funding all of our programs. I don't know how we're going to meet budget this year. I don't know how we're going to do it. They, you know, so the co- coaches have to have a fundraising mindset, you know, and that all comes back to, you know, what Coy Cooper is dealing with in NWCA, it, you know, marketing your program, outreach, and making it easier for fans to be fans. But a coach really can focus on a smaller group. You know, you can do the sort of blanket stuff like putting out the videos, being active on social media, but this is what I would tell coaches. Identify your top ten donors right now today. Identify your top ten. Put them all, put all their phone numbers, cell phones, email addresses in your phone. And then once a month, put a, put a reminder on your calendar. Once a month, it pops up and says, you know, contact your top donors. Send them a text. Send them an email. Send them a handwritten note. Send them something. Be in touch with them. Keep them engaged. Keep them educated because those are the people who are supporting you. I mean, we're, most programs have a handful of, of, you know, it's the old 80-20 role. You know, you get 20% of people giving 80% of your money. And a lot of times it's even more than that. But, um, you know, stay in touch with your top people. High school coaches can do the same thing. I mean, 
you know, the same people that we're raising money for, for, for millions of dollars of athletics department in, in big time athletics, like those people went to high school, right? So contact, you know, every high school coach should be, you, you don't need a million dollars. You might need 5,000 or 10,000 or $20,000, but that money is in your community. There are people who graduated from your program or parents who are doctors and lawyers or entrepreneurs and they're making money and they're willing to support if you educate them, if you engage them, if you learn how to ask for money. It's not a hard thing. It's not a hard thing to ask people for money. Everybody's so scared of it. And it's not a hard thing when you learn how to phrase it, when you learn how to, to do it. It's, it, it's do it a few times, and, and it becomes pretty easy. It's not, it's not, it's not a hard thing. And you're, you're not taking money from their wallet. You're giving them something of value, giving them an opportunity to support something that they care about. People want to do that. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, unfortunately <clears> – <throat> We have to, I mean, it sounds like we have to uh, resort to sustaining ourselves. But you know what? Uh, Alabama football does it. Alabama football makes a lot of money on their own, but they still have alumni and donors pouring money into the program. So um, it's not like we're 100% asking for handouts, right? Yeah, so it, it's it's the the division one fundraising model is such that it's it's so much of the donations are connected to benefits right which is football and basketball primarily so most of the money you know that that a that a power five this is this is typical this is not every school some everybody's a little bit different but for the most part you've got donors who can give x amount of money and the more you the the more money you give the closer your seat is to the 50 yard line the more money you give the closer your parking spot is and Honestly, if people go, you know what, uh, I'm giving, I gave you $20,000 or $10,000 last year, I'm moving, or my kids are getting the age now where they're in sports or whatever it is, I can't give you that money next year because I'm not going to be at the game, or I'm not going to be at the games next year, so I'm not going to make a gift. I mean, boom, that money just disappears, and that money typically, you know, goes into the general fund that funds wrestling and track and soccer and lacrosse and every other sport. Well, that that disappears. When a donor, when when a football team is struggling, and people are like, ah, I'm not coming to the game because I'm, I don't, you know, I don't want to watch a losing team, or, um, or, I, you know, my kids are in sports or whatever it is, I can't, I can't make it to the games anymore, or I'm moving. So that's that's, you know, most of the money is is tied to benefits. Now you also have people who give purely philanthropically, which is the those are the people that the coaches need to connect with, um, and, and you need to, you know, if if a donor is making a gift to wrestling, but they're doing it so they can get their football tickets. The, the coach needs to be in touch with that person saying, Hey, you know, here's you know, what we're doing. Keep them educated and engaged. So when they, you know, when the time comes and like, Hey, I'm not getting football tickets anymore. They're still going to make that gift because they're, they see the value that that gift is making to the wrestling program. Does that all make sense? I mean, yeah, yeah. It's my world every day. So I sometimes it like plays <laughs> yeah. over it, but, um, but I don't know if everybody's really understands that. No, I think I think it makes a lot of sense. And, um, and and then you look at again, you go back to the Cleveland State thing and in and, and the uh, just the mid majors. So much of their revenue, it doesn't come from the benefits. It's coming from the schools, right? It's coming from the academic budget. Mm-hmm. And so when we say, hey, it's not a big deal that they, incre- you know, why did they just increase the one dollar uh, student fee, you know, per credit hour? And it's easy to say, yeah, why didn't they just do that in the first place? But that's the last thing that they want to do. I mean, people mm-hmm. are up in arms about the increase in tuition. I mean, anytime you increase tuition, I mean, tuition is is far more unsustainable in terms of the skyrocketing costs than even healthcare. We all know we all know how bad healthcare is. This is like that's like a drop in the bucket compared to tuition, and and, and just the cost of attending a university, going to college. So, anytime they add a dollar to a credit hour, it's a big deal. So, um, so we've got to add value and, and find other ways to, to raise money and make it philanthropic. Let, let me ask you something too. Uh, we kind of, you're kind of touching on that and, and making me recall uh, a question uh, that I posed to Christian last week. And, and you know, the question is it's kind of very basic. I mean, it makes me sound very. It's, I stated it very simplistically. Um, and Christian said, "Well, I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but let, let's take a let's take an Edinburgh, okay? Um, and let's say they have I don't know what they have. I don't know four, three and a half, four and a half scholarships. Um, 
what would be why can't the university just say we're going to give you two more we're going to let two kids come for free on a wrestling athletic scholarship yeah why can't why point. can't they just do that i mean to me in a very simplistic world and i, I completely admit i don't nothing that goes into what that potential decision would mean um but from where i sit in a very simplistic view of it would be all it's costing them is two butts in the seats in classes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what would go into that? Sure. So looking at Edinburgh, they're probably fully funded. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine they're either fully funded or pretty darn close. Um, but but you're looking at the Slippery Rocks, where I coach. I was the head coach at Slippery Rock. We had one scholarship. And, uh, you know, so – why can't a school just waive scholarships? They would have to do it for all sports. Why would they do it for wrestling and not football or wrestling and, and not soccer or swimming or track? So, so, so you could, can't Slippery just say, Rock, just... could Slippery Rock not have said, okay, we're going we're gonna to give you another scholarship and we'll also give one other scholarship to field hockey? Yeah. Could they have? Sure. But it's sort of a slippery slope that I don't think they want to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, there are incremental costs to that. Uh, you look at, especially the smaller schools, they're, you know, they're, they're, the smaller the school you go to, you know, division two, even division three, they're, especially division three, they're, they're enrollment driven. So every, you know, obviously division three doesn't give scholarships, but the, the smaller schools, I mean, they need that money. They don't like every time they give away free scholarship, it's, it's, you know, X amount of dollars that they're not, they're not bringing of revenue that they're not bringing into the school. Um, it's it's just it's not an answer that it's not something that that is a is common practice. If there may be some schools out there that do it, very few, if any, that are mm. just flat out waiving uh, waiving the the tuition fee. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I was just curious. Yeah, I know. Right, it sounds like it sounds like a. You know, why don't they just do that? Why don't they do it for I mean, all, yeah. all sports? I mean, but you yeah, know, I went I, I went to I went to Bloomsburg, and and you know why can't. My question: Why can't Bloomsburg just say, "Hey, you know, it, tuition there is I don't know, ten thousand, twelve thousand a year. Why can't you add one more scholarship?" But I guess it's a slippery slope, like you said. Yep, yep, it's a slippery slope, and I just don't think that uh, that they're willing to do that. Well, Jim, thank you for you know we could talk about this for hours and hours, and and I, if you're in we'll we'll definitely have you back multiple times and and discuss some of these topics because i think it's it's helpful for the community to understand them it it gives us uh perspective uh, you know on message boards uh, across the country we talk about these topics without um very much insight into into marketing and fundraising and and the academic situations and so it's great to shed light on some of these things and uh, i'm sure that uh, we would love to have you back and, and talk about um, other topics and, and developments upon the topics that we did hit. I could talk about this stuff for days. So, uh, so yeah, if you ever want to want to chat about it again, I'm happy to do so. And, and if, it, I'll put um, a lot of the the stuff that we talked about today. There's articles and links and stuff like that. Some really interesting and educational articles out there um, that I'll post on my I have a website jimharshaw.net I'll do it on uh, if you go to jimharshaw.net slash flow just FLO I will I'll post some of these links and kind of just some of the, the, the stuff that we talked about oh, that would be helpful for people to you know just to, to keep up to date and as this stuff comes out I see I get an email every day from our national association um, that has articles and links and stuff about this so I'll just throw those up there as they come out awesome that's great excellent Jim hey man thanks so much for your time and uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, get you on here again as I'm sure these topics aren't going to go away. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, giving me the platform to sort of share some of this uh, this stuff that, that a lot of people need to know about that they, they don't fully understand. Yep, thanks so much, Thank Jim. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, guys. There you have it, Jim Harshaw. Uh, that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, just yeah. Just learned a lot. Um, and uh, You definitely, and listeners at home, you should go check him out and check his work and, and resume out and his resources because the guy's done a lot, a lot with the administration and, and can shed a lot of light on it. And, and marketing too. And I think that's the that's biggest thing. That's such a thing, big part. The biggest thing I've taken away from it. I mean, listen, this is a guy that, that works hand in hand with administrations. And when he says that 
marketing your program is the biggest thing you can do. I mean, if I'm a coach or an administrator, I'm I'm listening. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to increase the uh, increase the visibility of my program. Uh, when he we talked about that, and he talked about um, reaching out to. I mean, if you're a college coach, he talked about uh, reaching out to your athletic director and said, you know, what keeps you up at night? Let me address some of these needs. Um, so there are a lot of things that you can take away from from Jim Harshaw being on. Yeah, yeah. So thanks to him for for coming on. We got five minutes. Do you want to transition to a couple other little things while we're um, well, we for, time yet? What, what uh, I guess we could we could hit a couple things. Um, just what's weighing on your mind, Christian Piles? What's weighing on my mind? Well, the these NCA rule proposals came out, and um, man, pretty radical stuff. Uh, like big big time changes potentially that um, I'm sure we can't get into with the five four minutes we have remaining. But I think it's something um, if you're looking for them, they're on our on the homepage there, flowwrestling.org, and just look to the right. And the you know NCA Wrestling Rules Committee recommends is what you'll see. So click that, read it, um, and maybe that can kind of gear us up for next Monday when we do this show again. But uh, my initial reactions were good, that these were good, but um, I, I'm a person who has very quick um, visceral reactions to things and maybe don't always consider the unintended consequences. So my initial opinions on, on these were, oh, these are good, but um, that was just my kind of gut reaction to them. So I'm, I'm interested to um, maybe think a little bit more about them. And more importantly, and what helps me, is just seeing the feedback from from people in the community, what they think about it, because they bring up the good points. The coaches uh, that maybe are against some of these changes, they'll bring up good points. Uh, it'll make me think. So I, I encourage you guys to read them, learn them, and um, seek out the feedback and, and draw your own conclusions. So uh, we'll be talking about that. Yeah, Will, uh, I want to. I, I think... want. But more importantly, Willie. I want to. I want a fitness update. So make your point, and I want to update on your physical condition. You want to? I'm going to keep you accountable. Accountable. Well, I mean, worked out twice this week. That's I... what is that what you're looking for? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Yeah, I did uh, chest and, and tries yesterday. I'm looking swole. Got my swole on. Yes, yes. Are you on a, Are you on steroids? I ain't juicing. Really, all natural. Yeah, I highly recommend. I highly recommend steroids, Willie. <laughs> highly recommend. I don't know. I then I'll get tested. I don't know. I mean, because <laughs> I might. I'm thinking about wrestling the open, you know. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if it'll be out, well, out of my system. If you did chest and tries, I'm certain you're ready for a wrestling tournament. Uh, dude, I ran three miles mm-hmm. and hit the elliptical for, you know, half hour. And the next day I did chest and tries. So I think I could. I've tried elliptical I think, a couple I think I I'm ready for elliptical. the. I think I'm ready for the open. Yeah, I think you're ready. But not not you veterans, can't do, right? You can't do the open? I mean,. The op- I mean, uh, you can't see the ellip- the ellipticals. No, I like... can do it. I just, I feel like I can never really get going. Like, you got to get yourself into sprints, man. On those things, what I don't really see. Is, that's what I don't like. I don't like don't, the sprints. Um, like, if you don't push yourself, first of all, I, I mean, I do it as like a warm up to running, right? Okay. So, like, cause I don't know, I'm getting old, and when I like when I first start running, uh. My knees and my ankles will be a little creaky, right? But if I, I found that if I do the elliptical for like 15 minutes to a half hour, and then I go into running, it's, it's all gravy. It actually makes my running better, actually, and uh, it makes me run faster yeah. from this from the start. Uh, but you know, if you don't, if you just get on there and just do it at your leisure, uh, it's like a, I don't know old fat lady exercise right so but if you if you really make yourself sprint the last 15 seconds and get your i I, the last 15 seconds of each minute i make myself i make myself go nuts for 15 seconds that's great because it has that little thingy on it right that says rotations per minute or whatever it is yeah you get that thing up over 150 or whatever yeah you get it up and then and then you let yourself come back down you know what i like Uh, while we're completely like not talking about wrestling at all i like that row machine i just started doing that thing you know where you get it going uh 
Do you know what I'm talking about, Willie? You sit down. Yeah, on I it. saw I saw Brian Snyder cutting weight in high school. <laughs> Absolutely lose his mind <laughs> on one of those one time. Like he, he couldn't a... figure it out or what? He just no, hated no. It. He he didn't want to. He was overweight and he was like so dead tired. And they put him on. They're like, just do something. Just do the row and just you know try to get the last couple ounces off you. And he was just he was like you know he lost his mind. Really, man. Yeah, it was great. It was one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> hey, on that note, Brian's uh, a low note in Brian Snyder's life, I'm sure, him losing on a rowing machine. But we made it to 11 o'clock, um, so we're out of time for right now. Again, thank you to Jim Harshaw for um, lending us your expertise for the better part of an hour. Thank you, Willie. As always, we're going to be doing this again um, next Monday and Monday. Thursday next monday so be sure to tune in for that um this is a great one please um yeah subscribe. u.s open we'll be tackling the u.s open next week oh yeah it's coming it's coming quickly give us some feedback um follow us on twitter all that stuff subscribe on itunes and uh we will see you next time next monday morning 9 a.m central thanks a lot guys see you next time